This is a Stand Up Labs production, powered by digital media. From Race Wars Podcast, this is Unhirable with White Karen and Go To Gay Tommy. Okay, so Karen is eating, which nope. is interesting because nope. that's nope. usually my role. I'm not. And we're sitting here no, at I'm the not. unhirable roundtable with Christopher Shin, uh, playwright, academic. Uh, what, what other titles? Screenwriter. What, what else can we? What else can we call you? Nonviolent activist. Are you an activist? No, I'm not an activist. No, you're oh, just a nonviolent. Uh, you're thought a we're going to talk to a fucking activist. <laughs> <laughs> they don't what are go you well doing? On the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, no, so we're here to talk today. It's Christmas week, and Chris is here to talk to us about Jesus Christ and nonviolence. When, and when you told me that your friend Chris Shin was going to talk about Jesus Christ and nonviolence, I thought it was a joke. I was like, You're just making like you could just say Christian. Like you don't have to make up a whole name. We're not. It's not like high school attendance. Okay, but you know, I never got that until today. I was talking to my brother Sean. Do you get that a lot? That your name sounds like Christian? Yeah, I mean, I, one reason I. I'm called Chris by my friends because I like that, but I use my full name professionally because if you say Christian, people are like, oh, you just said Christian in a weird way. <laughs> and like my whole life, people are like, oh, your name's Christian. I'm like, no, no, Christian. Oh, are Christian. You Christopher? Christopher Shin. And like, you know. Did your parents be... think for two seconds about what they were doing to you? Or are they just selfish? I, you know, I, I think my mom wanted me to be Jesus. And so what, friends, whether she knew it or not. Has she, have you done her proud in that pursuit? Are you the Messiah standing before do you, us? Do you remember uh, Brooke Arnold that we had on the show? Like, yeah. Her in her one woman show, she talks about her her crazy upbringing and the, that Mormon. No, no, not, not Mormon, Mormon. The Duggar the Westboro, cult. So, oh, yeah. No, no, Duggars. not Westboro. Yeah, Duggar yeah, yeah. cult. So her mom like was a little bit cuckoo. And she talks about this publicly and uh, decided at a young age, her young age, that her brother was the Messiah. And treated him accord, raised him like she was raising Jesus Christ. Well, isn't that what Christianity <laughs> tells mothers to do? Is it? Um, I think that at least in Catholic, thought... what, what was your religion that you were raised in? Chris? I was raised. We went to church, Episcopal church, but neither of my parents was really actually religious. Uh, so I actually, you know, I feel like you you were like really Catholic and like you went yeah. through it in a, in a real way. I was just somebody who was dragged to church every Sunday. In the Episcopal Church, though, is the Blessed Mother a figure of worship in the way she is for Catholics? Like, she's almost a deity. Yeah, no, it's not like that. It's not like that for Episcopal. That's why they're Catholic light. So they don't really believe that's what it is. I knew there was something, and I think it's the Blessed Mother is like the fundamental difference between us. Can I ask you something? Yeah. Is Catholic like the original Christian because it has all the shit in it? Well, yeah, I guess you could date it back to the Romans. And then it was like the Lutheran Revolution, which is where in Martin Luther in Germany is like... Right, I remember the theses. Yeah, who started questioning all that stuff. Did you hear me say a fact? I did, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess Roman Catholic, Catholic is, uh-huh. the, is the original Christian, right? Is that true? Uh, I mean, I'm not an expert. You, you shouldn't look to me for... Complete historical but it makes accuracy. Sense. Okay, but this is why I'm excited to talk to you. And we'll get back to this when we come to the roundtable. Okay, We're going to okay, jump okay. into feedback in just a moment. But why I'm excited to talk to you about this, Christopher. Chris, can I call you Chris? Yeah, you on can the call podcast? me Chris, please. Okay. So why I'm excited to talk, <laughs> talk to you about this, Chris, is that are, are you a religious person today? I'm not religious, no. But what are your, all right, overall, what are your thoughts on Jesus? Good, bad, and different? 
I, I mean, I think Jesus was really amazing. And, you know, just because I don't practice religion or, or believe, literally, that doesn't mean I, I don't find Christianity to be a really extraordinary invention. So do you believe, like, in the Jewish way that Jesus was a guy and that he was extraordinary, but he was a guy, he was a person who lived and died? I mean, I think J Jesus definitely existed. I don't really know. But I'm just saying, do you see, is he, is there like a God relationship to you or is he just like an interesting historical figure? I think it is possible that Jesus is the son of God. You know, I just don't know. And I don't really, I don't believe. I've not gone far enough on my spiritual journey to decide what I believe in point of fact. Yeah, you right. Know? Mm. But leaving all belief aside, I think Jesus was so radical and extraordinary and changed the world and continues to change the world. And, and you know, maybe a decade ago, I started to become really obsessed with, uh, with Jesus. What okay. does that mean, though? Wait, oh, wait, I want to okay, actually okay, okay, table right. that for yeah, the roundtable. Yeah, this round is table. getting so crazy. No, 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 because this is going to go deep, and I want to talk about exactly where you just said, but let's just jump into Good feedback right now. Good get for the show. Artie, feedback? Okay. okay. All right. So, so we're gonna we have two items for the feedback section. This is the this is the part of the show where we engage what our listeners have uh, put out to us on social media, right. and we're also going to talk about something that happened to Chris on social media today. So, okay. Karen, you go first. We have something from a listener. Okay. So I love her. Uh, I'm not. I'm, I'm sure gonna fuck this up. Micah, Mika. Yeah, she's great. She's she great. tweets good. She she tweets. She gives good tweets. And she freaking listens. So, okay, she had a really, like, deep, important question for us. What is it, Karen? Okay, here we go. Mary, fuck, kill. Wait for it. Jerry, George, Kramer. I just dropped a mic. <laughs> Are you a Seinfeld guy? Uh, kinda. Okay, so... You don't even have to be. You know this yeah, game, I, fuck, Mary, kill. Yeah. All right, get at it. Oh, I'm doing it. Oh yeah, my you God, have to. please. Oh, yeah. You're the well, guest Karen of honor. Yeah, Here, I'll start. Horrible. I'll give you a moment. We already did it. This okay. Is... So on, I was the first to respond on Twitter, and I said that I would, first of all, kill Kramer right away. Like, okay. <laughs> I don't, I, you know, I don't like controversial people, Karen. <laughs> but you secretly do. I know. I probably should have married Kramer. But no, I'm going to stand by what I tweeted. I'm going to kill Kramer. Wow. I'm going to um, fuck Jerry. I said because he's rich. And then I could blackmail him to give me money so that I wouldn't tell his wife. And then I would marry George because I like to fight. And he seems like the most likely to have a long unhealthy fight-filled relationship. I with. mean, he'd be a nightmare. <laughs> I mean, he basically killed the woman that he was engaged to on the show. Did he? Oh, right, right, right. Passively, but yes. I'm not like facts or like, I don't know. <laughs> All right, so what's your, what was yours, Karen? Okay, so mine was, I'm sticking by it because honestly, my reasoning is bulletproof. I would marry Jerry because he's a Jew, right? So you got to stick with your own kind and make more Jews. <laughs> Christian. Tommy, I know you know him, right? <laughs> I'd fuck Kramer because he'd be mad entertaining, right? He would like say crazy shit and he'd just be like really disgusting. He'd be disgusting. Like I mean, physically and sexually, he'd be awful. How old is he now? Like 70? A thousand. No, he's, he's probably going to be close to 70. I feel like he's like my mother's age. It would be some weird shit, but it'd be fun. What's he doing now since the whole n-word meltdown? Exactly. Yeah, what is he doing? <laughs> is he doing stand-up? Does anyone know? Is know. he acting? Uh, Oh, anyway. Fucked if I know. Okay, so you're killing George. Obviously, by default, I'm going to kill George. And here is why. Tell me. So, <laughs> first of all, he's too round. <laughs> he's perfectly spherical. And to be honest with you, like, this also goes for perfect squares. Like, people whose waist size and inseam are the exact same. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, mm. if you're 32 by 32, like, you're a perfect square. And that's geometrically not, like, that's <laughs> chill for me. Wait, you know I was a 32-32 <gasps> for a very really? long time. Yeah. 
But you've your body has changed so much. I'm a 32, 34 now. You're very long. Yeah, I guess. I hear what you're I saying. I mean, I do understand that it's like circumference and then it's a length, but it sounds like so square to me that like, do you know what I mean? It just sounds like a lot of hard So triangles. I'm doubling down now on marrying George based on what you're saying because I no, actually please. like a thick man. Really? You're making me realize, yes, yes, totally. 100%. You know what? I like a little meat. I'm not, on men, it's masculine. That's like, there's certain things that are really masculine on men, right? Like being mean, um, being a little fat. <laughs> Karen, this sounds like um, something to talk to your therapist about. <laughs> but it's true. Like thinness, like being really scrawny and being really sweet are feminine qualities. So like, I appreciate the opposite in a man. But it's not so crazy. Yeah, no, I guess I understand. That's the opposite of you because you're sh- very thin. Yeah, totally. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I like men because they're, op- yeah, yeah. they're opposite That of makes me. sense to me. Sure. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like that's it. Cool, Chris. Who are like, you fuck marrying? Yeah, round killing? Shit. This is horrible because they're all three horrible people. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Everyone on that show was horrible. Horrible. Um, but we're talking about the actual human beings, the actors. Oh, we're not talking the about characters. the actors. Oh, I thought we were talking really? about the characters. Oh, okay. okay. Wait, wait, wait. Well, would it change your answer? Because um, it would not change mine. Hmm. I guess mine was a hybrid of reality and. I bet it would. As was mine. I think it would change because I, I think so probably Jason both. Alexander is probably a decent guy. For sure. I think George. You'd have to kill George, but if it's Jason Alexander, I'd probably marry him. You could go to the theater with him. You know what? Seinfeld. Yeah, you, I, I agree yeah. with that. Yeah. yeah. Seinfeld. I think you would. Uh, you'd you'd kill him because he seems really like a narcissist. He. he you know, mm. it wasn't his wife Here's really thing, young. Though, and, and yeah, but he's a rich Jew. She though, hides so. vegetables and unhealthy things for her children. Which she ripped and off she somebody writes, else. Yeah, and she writes cookbooks about it. Yeah. <laughs> she's so, working. And I, then she complains about $400 Uber rides on Twitter. She's she's horrible, right? I don't know. I mean, yeah. isn't everyone that's that rich horrible in <laughs> some way? How could you not be? Like, wouldn't it be a pleasure to <laughs> I mean, be horrible? I mean, listen, Jerry, Jessica, if you ever want to come on the show, we would love to have you. Open invitation. We think you're amazing. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I mean, you're garbage, but please yeah. come on on Hireable. But we love garbage. Like, yeah. it's, it's a noted fact. <laughs> no, Jerry's cool. Doesn't he not like black people? Isn't that the new thing? Does he not? Or no, he said that no, that's Everybody's not true. Everybody's got I'm something. I'm reducing that. But he said something about like white comedians and everyone went crazy. Honestly, he probably also has HPV like who gives a shit. He's also a Jewish guy and a lot of Jewish people I know don't really like black people. So My, Myself excluded. <laughs> yeah. I love the blacks. I'm, so. That's not sarcastic or a joke. <laughs> all right. So now. So no, I guess no. I have to fuck Michael Richards. Okay. All right. Controversial choice. Get that's into interesting. It. I mean, we've yeah. all chosen it almost. Yeah. Uh-huh. No, I didn't. I killed him. <laughs> yeah, but she did. She chose. Because I'm a social justice warrior. She, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> okay, speaking of social justice warriors, somebody who actually, I think, maybe the only person who's like personal grief over this election makes sense to me mm. is Rosie O'Donnell. Why? Because Donald Trump has been... Oh, he's been so mean to her. So <laughs> violent toward her publicly for so long. Yeah. I mean... There was one, there was after one debate where Rosie was like sort of retweeting people that were saying things like, why didn't Hillary stand up for you explicitly? And it was like, <laughs> oh, yeah. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, this runs deep for Rosie. Whose joke is it? Somebody has a joke that I wish I remembered who that was like Donald Trump's greatest accomplishment was fighting Rosie O'Donnell on Twitter to a standstill. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I mean, it's, it's very, it's very bold. Okay. So today Rosie O'Donnell tweeted a quote. From Karen Salmanson. I don't know her. Salmanson? Who's she? Do you know her? I don't know. Probably one of the many new age people. Rosie. She's like a Marianne Williamson, right? Pro- I, I, you know, Rosie is obsessed Who with the all fuck these is new Marianne age. Williamson? She's a course of mir- in miracles, uh, kind of new age 
you know, attractive woman that Oprah put on her show. And exactly, yeah. she's like a you know, like a Nate Burkus who doesn't design homes. She designed your interior. Oh my god, that was beautiful, <laughs> Tommy. Know, how you, you just said that. Um, okay, so she quotes this woo-woo woman who probably lives in what <laughs> Joanne the Scammer would call a very Caucasian house. <laughs> no amount of anxiety can change the future. No amount of regret can change the past. To which can Chris, I tell you something? Uh, that's not true because anxiety can create a very anxious future. <laughs> okay, well, so Chris, do you want to talk yeah, about I got how you trig- responded? I got triggered by Rosie's tweet. Okay, what I usually you? don't. I, I usually don't. When I get an- annoyed at things, I let it go. So I don't know what kind of mood I was in today, but I was like, "That's not true, Rosie. That's totally untrue." And you, you want to read? Do you want me? Yeah, do you want to read it, or I can? No, read you it. can read it. Sure. Chris, re- Chris quoted her tweet and wrote on top of it, yes. anxiety prompts us to prepare for future contingencies. Oh my Regret God. provokes us to review past actions so we can understand and forgive ourselves. Mm-hmm. Chris, you just said what I said a thousand times better and also a slightly different thing. I know. That's why he's a celebrated playwright. It's Amazing. It's an honor to have him here. <laughs> um, okay. So explain, explain. So then Rosie followed me after that. And what, did, was there any communication? No, no, no communication. You know, and she has a lot of lot of people tweeting at her. So I guess yeah. as she scrolled through, that one stuck out. And How she many was people like, does she follow? She follows a lot. It's not like the coolest thing. She follows 14,000 people. <laughs> yes. No, but it is pretty cool. And actually, she has a woman who handles her social media. Oh. But I think Rosie actually follows the people. But then I think her, I think her social media is managed by this woman, Kelly... I think it's Weiss. I can't remember. Okay, so before we unpack how I know that, <laughs> um, it's not as creepy as it sounds. Um, it's a thousand percent as creepy. N- as it no, sounds. it's actually quite sad because <laughs> I have a very deep, deep, long history with Rosie O'Donnell. I've like been obsessed with her since 1996 because she was where I saw Broadway when I was, you know, a 14 year old gay kid in Boston, I would see it on her show. Oh, so show, I, yeah. I remember when it first premiered, like I remember Jeff Foxworthy, I think was like her first guest. I remember like everything about that show. I remember the cast of Titanic performing on it. It was like the best. She was so good when she was good. And then when she was crazy, she was even better. And <laughs> I've just always loved her. I followed her through The View. I remember exactly where I was when they did the split screen with Elizabeth <laughs> Hasselbeck. I'm like, not kidding. I love Rosie O'Donnell. Okay, so, and this has always been known to my friends. Like, my brother gave me a Rosie O'Barbie one year for <laughs> Christmas when I was a teenager. Um, I got, like, all the Rosie swag. Like, the coo shit, everything. So, anyway, I want to talk a little bit about um, why her tweet triggered you and what your response was was really saying what are you saying here? well because that the little new age wisdom she shared is basically like oh don't have feelings they don't they're not any good you know don't be anxious and and don't have regret you know because it can't do anything for you that's totally crazy a you cannot remove feelings from yourself well you can drug yourself yeah you can like anesthetize yourself i guess those are also the two like single most not single, but they're the two most universally human feelings that everybody has. Not even everybody experiences love, but everyone experiences anxiety and regret. Every single person. Absolutely. And what's wrong with it? I mean, yeah. I don't understand. Is it just that people don't like to feel discomfort? Is that the Yeah, because I think when people are anxious, they're like, oh, this feeling sucks. Yeah. I want to get rid of it. Or if they feel regret, they think, oh, this is horrible. And so now some new age person comes along and is like, yeah, get rid of those. See you later. You know, have your enjoyable life with no feelings. And like... That's bullshit. It bugs me too when people are like, say things that 
are like, well, we're living in 2016. I can't believe we're still X, Y, and Z. But it's like obviously stuff that goes biological. Do you know what I'm saying? Like regret and anxiety are feelings that you biologically are driven to have. You know, like even something like racism, like you will never stop people from being racist because there's like a biological drive to differentiate us from them. And people shouldn't like behave shitty towards other people, but you'll never, ever end it. 2016 makes no difference. It's like in our blood. Mm. That shit's so ignorant. Well, here's the thing that I find interesting about like a Rosie O'Donnell, and it's it's it, I'm gonna just kind of I, what you said about racism made me think of Rosie O'Donnell because that's actually at the root <laughs> of my um, trauma around Rosie. So a few years ago for my 30th birthday, my now ex boyfriend bought me a piece of Rosie O'Donnell original art from what? her Etsy shop. She's an artist. Oh my god. <laughs> When I went to go see William Finn make me a song, it's a review of this musical theater composer at New World Stages, which is this like really interesting complex in Midtown Manhattan, like a theater complex. There was a Rosie O'Donnell art exhibit. This is like five years ago. Okay. And I walk in and my favorite piece that was hanging on the wall was one and it's like sort of like Jackson Pollock, like splatter. And then just in like big letters, lying causes cancer. Oh my God. (laughs) And you know that Rosie one time said to somebody on her, I believe her magazine staff in a fight, I hope you get cancer, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's always the people that are like the most violent, that like that are the most, see Rosie clearly has tremendous capacity for violence. Like, I think that that's violence. Yeah, I, do you of agree course. With that? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So to wish cancer on oh, somebody. Wait, that's violent. I think I think that wishing cancer on somebody. Um, I guess to their face, violence. that's a little bit. Violent. I don't know. Have you ever seen anybody go through cancer? Um, not that much. It's it's incredibly violent, and I mean, I don't know if but you want to talk about it, but just shit. watching my dad when I heard that, I went immediately to my father who died of cancer when I was 17. Mm-hmm. And that just always, that really colored my view of Rosie when I heard that. But it made you, me more interested in her because I was like, there's darkness that runs deep within her. But if she has never seen someone go through her cancer, oh, I believe her mother died of breast cancer. <laughs> well, no, is she a monster? Or is it that just, I think that there's some violence that she never, that she experienced that she never reconciled. Maybe, I don't want to psychoanalyze her actually. I don't fucking know Rosie O'Donnell. But I know that she did say that, and I know that she's working some shit out in her art where she says lying causes cancer. Uh, she's trying to maybe justify why her mother died. I don't know. Her mother said, I'll never leave you, and then she died. I don't fucking know. Like, Rosie works her shit out in all these books. I've read all of them. Celebrity Detox. What do you call somebody who's obsessed me. with Rosie? A Rozo? Oh, I don't know. I'm really not that obsessed with her. I just have a good memory, and I used to be obsessed with her. Okay, so anyway. So my boyfriend bought me this of Rosie O'Donnell. It's like a decoupaged picture. She, like, painted around of, like... Her and Tom Cruise, and it's called Tommy and Me. So it was like very perfect for me. And um, I still have it hanging. And that same birthday, my friend Sam Bennett, who's like a really fabulous artist, he's like a costumer on SNL now. He's really, really talented. Decoupage me this little thing. It's, um, he like put my face on like the baby Jesus and Rosie's face on the Madonna on a painting and then like glittered around it. So I had these two Rosie O'Donnell like pieces. One was very specific to me and one was sort of more figuratively. And I tweeted it and I was like, it's a Rosie birthday, a Rosie 30th. And then she followed me and she followed me for like two years. And it was like such a fucking dream come true. And then when she was on The View, they were having Eve Ensler on. And this woman, um, her name is Lauren Chief Elk. She's um, an activist. She's a Native American activist. She's really big on Twitter. Tweets at Rosie. When you have Eve Ensler on, are you going to ask her a question about how she exploits indigenous women for personal gain? Okay, explain. So then Rosie tweets back at her and they get into this whole exchange. She calls she calls Lauren Chief Elk chief at one point, 
which then she like freaks out. She's like, are you calling me chief because I'm an in- like I'm a Native American? Like this whole thing like explodes. It's like a huge fight. Wait, but All does- these feminists of color start calling Rosie uh, a racist. Well, wait, but what makes her racist? Like how does she exploit indigenous peoples or whatever? I don't want to get into the whole thing about Eve Ensler. Eve Ensler is a playwright who wrote the vagina monologue. I know. That's she's, what she's Dylan McDermott's for. stepmother. She is. And I'm obsessed with it. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so for people who don't know, so anyway, she does like a lot of work in like Africa and like in indigenous communities. And I think people feel like she uses women of color as props for personal gain. I don't know enough about Evenzo's work. I just don't know enough about her work to defend it or not. But I know that Rosie's responses were like borderline racist, like what she was saying to these women. So I just jumped in and I like, I said something and immediately I got unfollowed by Rosie and I got unfollowed by her social media manager. Wow. Who, and the only reason I knew her social media manager followed me in the first place was because she used to like, like my tweets a lot. So Rosie never interacted with me on Twitter when she was following me, but Kelly, I think Weiss is her name, was very interactive. And so when you texted me today that Rosie followed you, I was I, I immediately thought this is perfect to talk about because a it's very exciting that you are followed by Rosie O'Donnell, <laughs> who is I don't know what she's doing now. Lying the fuck low. <laughs> Lying low, <laughs> hiding. <laughs> she's probably buying. I mean, she's probably completely reversed her like anti-gun stance. She's mm-hmm. probably building a shelter. She probably has like a commune full of like, cutie patootie kids. She's really fit. She's army. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's a power lifter. <laughs> anyway, I'm glad that Rosie's following you. I completely disagree with basically all the bullshit she's tweeting but i feel like she needs to go through this like soft phase before we get like angry rosie again that's the rosie i like she's gonna be soft and very oprah right now she's gonna hit menopause and chill out though because that's what people she's already hit menopause people mellow people mellow like my parents are so different they were so crazy when i was little and now they're like gentle gentle lambs yeah well you know what's interesting my mother really mellowed out after she had a very violent act was uh, she had a radical hysterectomy and that really mellowed my mother out after menopause so and i think rosie maybe had something Mm. she had some sort of a like violent thing happened to her body i think a heart attack so maybe sometimes that mellows people out i don't know but i find it really interesting that rosie o'donnell who is like kind of a violent person and has like built a career on it like is this she's very indicative of like i do feel bad for her because of the way that donald trump is but she really is indicative of the way i think a lot of people are right now where we want to distance ourselves so much from any discomfort that we refuse to accept accountability for the violence that we perpetrate. And I think that that's a good segue into the round table. Round table. And I want to talk about somebody who uh, is a figure of radical nonviolence in Christianity, but also in your life, Jesus Christ. And well, I want to know sort of what you know about Jesus Christ, Chris, and how you came to... And can I ask also ask you a specific question, yeah. which is like going back to the thing about not being sure whether he's the son of God, because that's so, so interesting for me to even hear somebody say as a Jew, right? Because there's no doubt in my mind that he's not the son of God. He was a person. Like, there's no son of God. However, I'm Jewish, and like, that's not a thing I was ever raised with. Right? So like Well, you're raised with the expectation as a Jew, aren't you? What do you mean the expectation? Of a Messiah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was also raised reform, which is like it's like really just lip service to all that stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like there was nothing really drilled in my head except you're Jewish, it's important to be Jewish and you should marry a Jew. That was like the big thing. Mm-hmm. Right? So like w- here this is what I wonder about Christian people who have some degree of faith. My question is like if that's something you believe and that's what, whatever you believe is cool, but like, is that something that could ever translate to today, ever? Like, if there was once a son of God back in the day, right? And a couple thousand years ago, 
isn't that long in like the whole scope of like the world and humanity, then it could happen again. Yeah. Well, that's the end times according yeah. to what they believe if it happens again. Right? Yeah. What would that even look like? It looks like a horse coming in out of the sky with a sword coming out of its mouth, eviscerating non-believers, I believe, right? Yeah, but you said you're not <laughs> literal like that. No, no. And, you know, I mean, I just look at Jesus as like a character. And, I mean, there are people who really believe. And yeah. when you meet them and you listen to them, you realize, wow, I really, I don't literally believe in this. <laughs> and, you know, I have an open mind, like maybe someday I will, because I'm so cons- consumed by Jesus as a person. Why? Well, I think it was like probably like 10 years ago where I assembled on this writer, Rene Girard, who is an intellectual, uh, I think he, his actual title was Professor French at Stanford, and he wrote a book about the novel. And he sort of outlined this theory of desire, and it really captured my imagination. And then I read his next book, which was about violence in um, uh, pre-Christian times. And it was a lot about Greek tragedy and myth, and that was really interesting. And then his third book, in the middle of the book, there was this big section on Jesus. And about midway through that section, I had this horrible feeling that if I kept reading, my life would change forever. And I would become a totally different person, that I would stop being as uh, driven to succeed and, and amass power and wealth and fame, that I would become much less narcissistic. And I would become more gentle, more compassionate, more loving, more forgiving. And I got really scared. And I was like, this is horrible. My whole life is going to be ruined. I'm not going to be rich and famous. And right. I'm not going to like be powerful. This is really scary. So like, I put the book away right. for like uh, I, at least a year, probably almost two years. And I remember like looking at it on the shelf and being like, one day, I think I'm going to take that book down. And then one day I was ready. And, you know, really, I think what drew me to it was a feeling of of just emptiness like I had kind of been successful early on as a playwright and it hadn't made me happy and my relationships had all failed and I felt like I was always having conflicts with people and everything was fucked up in my life and so like the whole way I was living wasn't working but I didn't know how to change it I didn't know I had no insight into my own condition but reading about Jesus and how Jesus just interacted as a person, it it just op- it started to open up all kinds of new feelings and ideas in me. And I was like, this is if I really embrace this, this is really going to change my life. So that went like a couple of years past, I read through that section of the book, and then all of Gerard's later work was about Jesus. Do you go to church? I do not go to church. Do you? Where do you get more Christian juice when you run out of books? Uh, I keep I keep reading. Christian writers. So I keep finding more, <laughs> more Christians to read. Um, but again, any... it's like, it's weird because it's not attached to any kind of practice right. or any kind of, you know, uh, membership to a religious institution. So it's really just me kind of reading about Jesus and thinking about Jesus. Do you think you, because you were raised at least nominally yeah. Episcopalian, that that's why it's Christian writers that you're pursuing mm-hmm. as opposed to some other faith tradition? I think Jesus was was really unique. You mm. know, I mean, there was really nobody so, like him. One thing that um, Rene Girard talks about is um, so the theory you're talking about is like this, like mimetic theory, where it's all based on imitation, um, like human conflict. Is yeah. So he had. A, I'll try to be really fast about it. He had a theory of desire. You know, typically we think I'm an individual. I see an object. That object has some inherent 
uh, attractiveness, that's why I want it. You know, mm -hmm. I, I see that jacket. I think it's beautiful. I'm going to buy it. And Gerard would say, actually, we don't desire from ourselves to the object. Usually there's what he calls a mediator. There's somebody else. So it's actually, I see a really beautiful guy in that jacket. And I tell myself I love the jacket, but actually I want to be the beautiful guy. Right. So like if you like translate it into it's easier, I think, to understand if you think about it in childhood terms, like mm -hmm. in sixth grade, like the cool boy wore parachute pants. I'm like dating how old I am here. But like <laughs> once that boy wore parachute pants, like every boy wanted parachute pants. Right. And then he wore a half shirt one day. Like I remember then like buying a half shirt. It was wow, horrible. You grew up in a really gay time. <laughs> <laughs> I looked horrible. Like I couldn't be that beautiful, cool kid. Right. But like he was the influencer. He was the influencer. So Gerard just says it's like advertising is a great way of expressing his theory of desire. That like you put really attractive people in commercials because actually we want to be those attractive people, and we get that way. We get there through the object or whatever they're selling. Mm -hmm. Okay. So how does this? apply to the story of Jesus and what do you understand of why Gerard became so um I, I would I would say he was a really staunch defender of his faith in Christianity yeah yeah definitely so so Gerard believed that we were always copying each other and that our our tendency to copy each other leads very quickly to conflict and violence right so if you know, there's a, a bottle of water and I see you drink it and I get a bottle of water and I drink it. And then uh, I, you know, whatever object you may have that I see you have, uh, if I can get another copy of it, we're fine. But if it's mm. something that's only one of us can have, we're ultimately going to be in conflict. So you're going to compete for resources with like your own kind, no matter what. Exactly. And if it's something, let's say it's something like your boyfriend, mm. if you have a boyfriend mm -mm -mm. and there we go, then we're in a conflict. We yeah, may be we friends, are. but right. So but, when, go ahead. No, 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 I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, so that's like on an individual level, but on a more mm. social level, people are always envying each other and they're always, as you said, fighting for resources. So envy is always circulating in a community and it can get very easily out of hand. So what Gerard believed was in these early communities when uh, desire and envy were getting out of hand, the community would come together and find a scapegoat and kill someone. And putting all of the aggression onto this one poor soul mm. and then eliminating them was what constantly uh, allowed the community to have catharsis and to recover itself. And, yeah, and how else do you heal? Murder somebody. Yeah. And, you know, we still do it today. We still have, we all know, you know, we all, well, we all know what it's like to feel blamed for something we didn't do when somebody just needs to let out their aggression or, de you know, deal with their own problems through projecting them onto somebody, right? We, sure we all know it still, still happens. But you know what's interesting about that? Um, my Mises thing is that, like, if you ever read pickup artist stuff or, like, dating advice stuff, they tell you that if you kind of mimic the, like, body language or certain behaviors of the person that you're with... Um, not like long term, but like if you're on a date, then that's something that like subconsciously um, like endears you to them. Do you know what I'm saying? Like if they cock their head to the right, you tilt your head to the right or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? If they're like smiling, you smile and it kind of like reinforces a bond between you two. Do you know what I'm saying? There's that's something really like primal about that. Isn't there the, also, though, don't the pickup artists, isn't that where negging comes in? Where you, like, yeah. you, you make the person feel bad in yeah. these subtle ways? So that's the opposite, right? That's like, Oh, is them. that why? Is I'm... it though? Because negging is like, it's like a, 
there it's still it's like a um what do you call it it's like taking away a resource which is your attention it's like you give it initially and then you take it away kind of right where you're kind of like being a little bit negative towards the person and they want it back so like there's always this thing of like what desire for what you can't have or what you aren't yeah well that's what that was what Gerard believed the desire is always about a lack, a feeling of lack that you have and you think it's outside of you and that's what prompts you to, to go for it. Um, and, uh, so yeah, so basically what, uh, is unique about Jesus is that he was not, he was against scapegoating, right? So, you know, the paradigmatic stories, the adulterous woman, these guys come to Jesus and say, you know, she was committing adultery. We have to stone her now. What should we do? What do, we, what do you think? <laughs> And, you know, what Christianity says and what Jesus always says is, no, actually, the, the, the victim is innocent. The person is innocent, the person you want to hurt. You can't solve your problems by hurting another. In fact, you should look at yourself and look within and, and you'll probably discover that whatever your accusation is, mm-hmm. you're guilty of it. Yeah, he was like, you guys fuck everybody. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So this is interesting. And then Jesus ultimately becomes a scapegoat, yes? Right. So, you know, Jesus is the... the it's a really good story. The, the, it's a good story. <laughs> he's the paradigmatic innocent victim. So one, one of the, you know, when Girardi is trying to explain the difference between, say, a, ancient Greek culture and Christian culture, if you think of the story of Oedipus, there's a plague in Thebes, and the question is, all right, well, you know, what, why is there this plague? And through the course of the play, you discover that Oedipus, however unwittingly, killed his father and married his mother. You're 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 meant to believe that he really did do those things. You're so, meant to believe they didn't want to do those guilty. things. Or, okay, Oedipus, well, you didn't want to bang your mom and murder your dad. I got you. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> so there's a kind of catharsis when he blinds himself, right? It's yeah, you did a bad thing. You're the cause of the plague. It's your fault. And now you punish yourself. Mm-hmm. Whereas we understand that Jesus didn't, didn't, did nothing to deserve his crucifixion, right? What we, did we, he do? And in the view of um, Gerard, uh, I wouldn't say for Christians, but what did Jesus do to justify? Was it the, ultimately that he spoke truth? Well, sure. He was, he was trying to get people to think in new ways. He questioned power. He caused people to question power. Is that why he was murdered? Uh, I don't, you know, I, I don't know if Gerard ever details exactly what he thinks in in that specific a way. But what causes Jesus to be murdered? But he's he's disruptive to what you know the the basic functioning of the mm-hmm. society. He's in. Yeah. he's questioning things. He's different. Um, but really, it's the the mob turns on him. You know, right? I mean, that, uh, essentially, that is what it is right also known as the hillary clinton story (laughs) (laughs) um so that's interesting so what in jesus's life is apart from him being innocent of whatever um the charges that he were brought against him um the his death was predicated on what is it about him that makes him a a figure of nonviolence? in what ways does his example speak to sort of the way we experience violence today? Oh my God. Um, bless me. Jesus bless God me. God bless you. <laughs> well, it, oh, I'm so my bad. No disrespect. <laughs> I mean, if you just, on the simplest level, Jesus just says, turn the other cheek. I mean, mm-hmm. he literally says, you, you should never do violence. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, you should love your enemies. And you know all the things that we we think of as uh, good, like being rich and powerful. He says, no, those aren't good. You but know. what does he say about self-defense? Because like self-defense is a Jewish value. Yeah. And when like it's, it's like, an evangelical Christian value too. Well, it's written into Jewish law, right? Like there's all this shit you have to do. There's a million things you got to do. However, if it's your life at stake or somebody else's life, you don't have to do it. Do you know what I mean? Like if you're starving and there's only pork, like eat the pork. Don't die. I mean, again, I'm not a religious expert. I can't answer for any kind of religion uh, or any denomination of religion. But I think it's one of the things that's really the most radical thing about Christianity is it sort of says it doesn't re- actually matter. Your your primary responsibility is to not return violence with violence. I mean, turn the other cheek is literally about that. You know, you don't defend yourself. Now, does that mean I think if somebody sort of tries to beat me up, I'm going to lay there? No, but I think the the deeper message is you always have to think about violence and make sure you are not doing it in a gratuitous way. And it's really hard to think in that way because our propensity is not to turn the other cheek, right? Our propensity is to strike back. It's an eye for an eye. So I think Jesus is just trying to say, hey, take a step back, think about it, and Yes, I think on the deepest level, he is saying violence really begets violence. So you should always try to be nonviolent. But what if somebody's doing violence to you? And then if your policy is to not return that with violence, but it's an imminent situation, then someone's going to win that and lose that. And like, why should the winner always be the violent one with bad intentions? And then the good ones, it's almost like a recipe for the extinction of good people because they're not going to return any kind of violence. Well, I think that's the, it's like, is it the extinction of uh, good people or the extinction of everybody? I think that's the way to think of it. Imagine that Russia launches all its nukes at us for whatever reason. And the president, you know, gets the the report, they're all coming. And then, you know, you have a choice, right? You either strike back, we send all our nukes over to Russia, and the world ends. Or we say, okay, we're just going to take it. And, you know, you're right that the good people would be dead in that scenario. But there would be hope, I think, that the whoever survived, you know, uh, the, the the government in Russia after seeing that we didn't retaliate, they would say, huh, well, that's sort of interesting. But they might not. They might not. It's a gamble for sure. But, but I think that, that's what's amazing about Jesus, right? He doesn't fight back. He accepts his crucifixion. But he also has the benefit of coming back. Like if I don't fight back and I'm getting attacked... This is like really hypothetical because I was a hundred percent die. But like if I if I didn't fight back and I died, that would be it for me because I'm not God's kid in the like direct sense. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe I'm his like great 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 grandbaby. Well, this sounds like actually it's just like a question of um like fundamentally, like do you value the perpetuation of life? Or not? Like, do you want it to keep going? But self defense seems like a perpetuation of life. Well, it's easy to think something is self defense, but actually, even if it's partially self defense, it's also aggression. It's violence. I mean, and, and, you know, I think we've been lucky. I mean, it's a weird word to use given all the horrific violence that the world has seen. Uh, but, you know, we have not had an apocalyptic event yet. Right. But, like, you know, imagine somebody like Bin Laden had they had access to more than, you know, planes and box cutters. Yeah. You know, there's no doubt in my mind that Bin Laden would have used whatever, you know, weapons he was able to get. 
And that obviously, you know, could have created the end of the world if we had retaliated in a certain way. You know, I think it's important to start asking these questions of, of how are you going to utilize violence as technology increases and improves, and you're going to we're going to be in a, a world where one person can conceivably, you know, destroy the entire planet. I mean, can we set are off a chain in that world events. now. We may already be in that we're world. In it. We probably but are he, in that world. Uh, I feel like you're saying what you're saying is very Dune right now. I don't know if you've read Dune. <laughs> it's equally as life-changing as the Jesus books. Um, and Dune sees humanity as like as like a human organism, right? So like if, if violence begets violence, even if I am defending myself violently, right, then that still damages the human organism as a whole. So if there's infighting in a group, right, and like all of humanity is a group, it's damaging to the whole thing. And we are whole individuals, but also a cell in a whole thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like people, people don't like no one survives on their own. Well, yeah. Okay. So this is interesting. And I was talking to my brother who is a Christian uh, today about Jesus and sort of nonviolence. And um, he was sort of not pushing back, but had like interesting counterpoints because I mean, one of the things that Christians believe is in the Trinity. And so he talks about Jesus as God being as Jesus and God being the same. Are they? And so according to Christian belief, yes, they're, they're the same and different. They're the same and different. It's the mystery of the Trinity. I never got that. It's the part. father, son, and the Holy spirit. I, I thought it was all the same thing. Like when you get an engagement ring, but it's three stones, it's like one ring. Uh, that might be a good way to look at it. But no, I actually think that it's not quite that because it's actually also only one stone. That's the mystery. Get out of here. Yeah. So it, it, can you guys just like <laughs> like edit it down a little bit to just one thing? It's intentionally tricky. It's I redundant. Think. Okay, but 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 he talks about violence in the Bible, and I think it's it's getting at what you were talking about, like this Jewish idea of the right to self defense. Like he uses the story of the parting of the Red it's Sea. Not just a right; it's an obligation. He uses the Noah story as well, where where God. And, and by extension, Jesus, if you believe in the Trinity. And this is where a lot of Christians, I think, get tripped up on this. Um, Jews get tripped up right there, too. Um, is this idea that, you know, there is good and bad. And the way my brother explained it to me, he's like, you know, there is a war. There is a war happening. There is a war between good and evil happening. And it, in, in the, the words that he used were like God's angels and God's demons, um, this is what's happening. And I remember I had said to him, there, we were at some event a couple years ago at his church, the Baptist church, and the pastor was talking about being a chaperone on his son's school trip and another parent said something critical of Christianity. And this guy, this pastor, made the uh, gesture of cocking a rifle. Is that the word you use when you... Like that? And said, and I, I was so. ready to take him on. And I was like... I can't believe that he just did that. Like, I, to me, that was so shocking because in the Catholic Church, that would, n at least in my Catholic Church, that would never have happened. Because Catholicism, I mean, it's for a all very its aggressive thing for a religious person to do. Is is, is pretty nonviolent, actually. Like yeah. as I was taught it, I understand that there are holy I mean, wars that have been perpetrated, but like Catholicism really preaches accountability to your other other humans. It it, it really enforces you. But doesn't it also preach like easy absolution? Yeah, you just ask God for forgiveness. That's what I'm saying. So how much accountability is that really? And that's different than violence, though. Like, that's different than though? viewing it as a war. I was never taught that violent, there was a war. But if you're violent, you 
see, okay, in Judaism, if you wrong somebody, the only way that you can be forgiven in the book of life, right, and for God to forgive you is for the person to forgive you, for you at least to have made three real sincere attempts to get their forgiveness, right? If you've done that, you've done your part and you're good. But if you haven't even tried, then like go fuck yourself. No, no, but that's different. That's not what Catholicism teaches. Catholicism teaches that you can get spiritual purity by confessing to God, by releasing it and giving it up to God. But that doesn't mean that you are not accountable for the sins. Interesting. I think that, but then like, how does that there's work? a lazy interpretation where it's go say five Hail Marys and an Our Father. But actually, like other priests who are interesting are like you should when that are like engaged and actually want to serve the community. I've had priests say to me in confession when I was younger, you need to go make this right with your sister. You need to go ask her how this made you her feel when you did this. Did you do it? Yeah. Do you continue to do it? I mean, I try to. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of like what Sarah Shulman talked about in Conflict is Not Abuse, actually. What? It's very similar. I, you have to engage. You have to actually yeah, yeah, have yeah. a conversation. And I think that that's ultimately, when I was reading Gerard, ultimately, I think there's a communication breakdown that happens when we experience somebody who threatens or inspires some notion of ourselves within us. And we're not able to explicitly say, I like that you're wearing that. I want to wear it just like you. So I just start wearing it. It freaks the other person out. And then there's conflict. <laughs> That's an example from my youth. Like yeah. there was a guy, there were two gay guys that I went to school with. There were three of us. One gay guy was like obsessed with the other guy because we were adolescent males and hormones were raging. And all of a sudden he went from wearing pajama pants every day to dressing in full head to toe Abercrombie like the other guy did. And then the other guy got completely freaked out and it caused all this conflict, really violent conflict, not physically, but violent conflict within our group of like theater fags and nerds. <laughs> in high school, it was very dramatic at Boston Latin School circa 1999-2000. <laughs> but it was all rooted in this idea. And then actually what's interesting is that the guy who was the mimic actually ended up being scapegoated by everybody and he was ostracized from the group so oh it my actually god you know up. what he was jesus fucking christ he was G i didn't know this whole time i was ex i was exposed <laughs> my grandfather always said there's nobody who's ever walked this earth and not met jesus christ i guess he was right holy shit Tommy, you got it out of the way early <laughs> but karen i thought you you were talking about israel stuff i yeah. thought you had a very christian perspective because it seemed to me that, you know, what Sarah Shulman was saying was Israel's bad, to be very simple about it, Israel's bad, Palestinian's good. Yep. And you were saying, hold on a second, both sides have good and bad. You you, you had a more Christian perspective to me, which is, you know, both sides need to look at themselves. And if you split it into, okay, here's the good side and here's the bad side, that actually is not a very accurate way of looking at it. Well, that's interesting that you say that also. Maybe you're right. And also, you know, there is a thing about Judaism of like really sticking to your guns on certain shit. Like some things are not negotiable and that doesn't really fly in the modern world, you know? Like we're going to have to divide Jerusalem or whatever. Like we're going to have to just make certain... It's not even a concession. It's like a synthesis, right? Like, that's another Dune thing. By Can everybody just, like, fucking read Dune for two seconds? <laughs> but, like... Fuck the Bible. <laughs> but it's the thing of, like, when you have these clashing cultures and there's nowhere else to go, and what it really is is about uh, room to breathe. You know what I mean? All these people are packed in and they're on top of each other and their cultures just don't mesh. It's not about making concessions because that means that everyone's unhappy. It's about synthesizing. That mean, like, and, and that's what Jews don't do. Like, we don't... We're so afraid of being genocided and, and overly assimilated to the point of non-existence that we don't like to make concessions because we're afraid we're just going to disappear. But that's kind of what's going to have to happen. So is that actually non-Christian in the sense that it's actually not turning the other cheek? What do you mean? That, that sort of like contradicts what the teaching of Jesus is, which is radical nonviolence is not defending yourself when somebody perpetrates 
a violence against you. Well, that's I that's my criticism of Israel the entire time was like every time something happens, a Palestinian f- explodes in a market or whatever, or stabs somebody, they okay. retaliate. They retaliate. Israel retaliates with this massive force, right? And it looks really bad and it results in so many casualties and it's like really tragic and upsetting and they don't have the resources to rebuild their infrastructure and stuff like that. They're doing like they know they're inflicting more damage and is being done to them. And like you said, violence begets violence right and also as dune says you can never escape the violence of your ancestors you can't you are accountable for it and honestly that's something that i always rejected i was like i even with like white privilege and stuff i was like i didn't do anything to you black people i did nothing to you my family got here you know immigrated from europe we never were like slaveholders or anything like that but it's not really about that is it right it's okay like, but this is it, interesting because actually there is violence if you want to get down to it and this isn't a criticism this is just something i i experienced at auschwitz okay so you are seeing people at are the you absolute trying to lowest. one-up me on the jew thing no but i mean to <laughs> use jews as an example jews are experienced i'm not i'm not equating the violence that jews perpetrated against other jews in the camps with the violence that was perpetrated by the nazis that against is different jews. it's completely different but i want to talk about the violence that jews perpetrated against other jews mm-hmm. because there were the under commandos and it was very complicated and they were violent toward some people were actual just psychopaths some people were sadists but then even people who were just prisoners one one story that has stuck with me from my time visiting there was that the food line was such that people would always fight like physically push people out of the way to get into the middle of the food line because if you were at the front of the food line you would just get broth off the top of the pot that they were they were pouring out of. If you were at the back, you would maybe not eat at all. Mm. So everyone was jockeying to be in the middle of the line because that's where the hearty part of the meal right. was. And that's animal behavior. That's survival. It's complete animal behavior. But isn't that what we're ultimately talking about? We are animals. Yes. That's um, what I'm always saying. I'm always saying that. You can't get away from your animal roots. Well, you can't look, get away from it. We're partially animals, right? But that's what made Jesus unique. If he really was the son of God, he was man. So he's just like us. He's an animal person, human like us, but he's also God. But you don't so think he's a word... model for us to grow and change. Right. So, you know, I'm not saying I would have the strength to do this, but... If we were in that situation, maybe we'd say, I'd rather starve to death. I'll go to the back of the line. I'll, I'll walk go to the back of the line. I'm not going to. But that isn't, that's, but because they're Jews, they're like, I, I'm no, going to get some did potatoes. That. I, I'm you know sure I mean? somebody did that. I mean, there were Jews that probably did that. For sure. There are yeah. plenty, there are plenty of things I'm sure we all would do. We would choose to die rather than betray who we feel ourselves to be. But that was also a thing for like the preservation of the like human Jewish organism. Do you know what I'm saying? Like if someone who's like old and infirm or weak or whatever knows they're on their way out and they know that someone like young has a chance to survive needs a resource, um, that self-sacrifice is like a way to keep the whole group going. Oh yeah, it's the same thing like why grandmothers would take infants out of the mother's arms when they were walking off of the trains because they knew that the infants and the old people were going to be sent straight to the gas chamber and Zinder commandos would say, "Give the but give the baby to the old woman." It was it was so that somebody else could survive. There was like a sacrifice there. I think that that's an interesting part of humanity. I think a lot of people want to think that we would do that. I don't know what I would do. Do you have a sense of what you would do? I don't. I don't know what I would do, but I know that we're as much as we're animals. We're all. We've all. We're also. We're more than that, right? We've evolved over thousands of years. We Is this do... our consciousness you're talking about? Well, we have to ask ourselves what did it, because genetically we're the same. Does that we make haven't, us we haven't not evolved... animals? What's that? Are we not animals then? Well, I think we're more than animals, certainly. Mm. 
And the question is, what what has allowed us to change? Like, I think that's why Abraham and Isaac is an amazing story, because it's about a change. It's a move away from child sacrifice, right? That was something that used to happen all the time. We didn't genetically change and evolve, you know, in an evolutionary way to say, oh, no, now we're not going to kill children. Mm-hmm. It was something else. You could call it God. You could say, you know, so there's some other reason morality developed, but... If we were just animals, we wouldn't change. Well, here's my question. What what sets us apart from, like, the lower animals, for example, like our cousins, the apes? Well, we have just more capacity for thinking, language, symbolism, right? But it's on a continuum, right? So, like, they have some capacity for that. It's pretty minimal capacity, right? True. But, like, also if you – the only reason I'm arguing is because, like, I think it's an interesting point that, like, my philosophy teachers used to bring up, which is, like, that – like, where do you draw the line, right? So, like – we, okay, there's obvious differences between us and, like, gorillas. Like, why do we eat certain animals and not others? Kind of. But, like, the question is, like, where, like, where, where's the real line? Like, where's the real line? Because, look, you have people, and this isn't any kind of pejorative way or whatever. Like, I mean, honestly, everybody's, like, pretty cool about the shit I say. But, like, um, you have people who are born with, like, really reduced cognitive capacities with, like, mental I don't whatever like half half brains that yeah all kinds of shit goes wrong right and so those people don't have the same cognitive capacities that like uh someone who was not born with a disorder or whatever you call it has you know what I mean are you but are you minimizing the humanity of somebody born I am absolutely not minimizing anybody's humanity all I'm saying is uh my, my point is this that like that that thing, whatever it is, exists on some kind of continuum from the smallest life to like from the, the yeah, lowest life no to the highest. Yeah, but no dolphin is building a skyscraper. That's right, but they still underground, have but, under the water. But we don't know what they're thinking. Like we have no access to it. We don't know what like whales are thinking or even like dogs are thinking, but we know they think and feel. Is it a perfect storm they do of think the and fact feel that stuff. we have appendages that allow us to actually structure things in a way that other well, well it, other primates like I guess, we've learned could. how to cook food and like unlock the nutrients or whatever. I don't know. We have lang- we have language, and and that is nobody knows how language developed either. There's no accepted theory of how that happened. Mm-hmm. Nobody can say it's an extraordinary mystery. Is Tom Cruise right? Are we aliens? Uh, I don't know. We could be aliens. We could- when has Tom Cruise not been right? <laughs> I don't know. Never when he's making a movie decision because they're all great. <laughs> they're all great. Thank you. <laughs> I'm a Tom big Tom Cruise. Movie is he's the best. best. Every he's single one. I love that we're all. He's on the same a, he's page. A, there is not that. one movie of his that's not watchable. <laughs> he is a good argument for Scientology. <laughs> you know what? He's compelling when he's selling it. I've watched the videos multiple times. I even took the test at the center once. Did you? Yeah, I'm depressed. <laughs> um, they didn't. You didn't just come in. and They go, oh, depressed. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they do, and then and then they put you into a box and make you I sweat for they four go, hours. Jewish, and like, you're still anxious, gay? depressed. Keep them in. <laughs> um, you come out, you're all lean and sweaty. You're like, thank you. Guys. I'm gayer than before. <laughs> um, Yes. Okay. So that's interesting that we started with Rosie O'Donnell, and we're we've now made our way to Tom Cruise. It's like Whoa, it's beautiful. Look, it's a whole episode. Okay, but this is this is the thing with with this. I was talking to my brother today, and um, you know they they don't see. I don't think a lot of Christians see Jesus the way that you, right. a more secular person, see Jesus. Yeah. And there's a lot of violence. Purpose. They see a war happening. Christians see a war happening, and they have to fight. Well, yeah. I mean, that's comp- complicated what you mean by that exactly. But yeah, I think Christians are really, Christians believe that everybody should be Christian. I mean, they think Do you that is that? the one true religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I, I, I don't believe that because I'm not one and I'm, I've not been mm. 
uh, nobody's seduced me, convinced me to become one yet. Uh, but I, I think it's Christians are not Christian. I mean, that's, you know, often, sadly. Right. Again, I'm not saying my interpretation yeah. of Christianity is, is the, the truth, but if you just look at what Jesus says, it's all about looking at yourself, taking a step back from your impulse to do violence, taking a step back from your impulse to judge others. Mm. It's all about looking inward. It's all about de-escalating. It's all about love, kindness, that it's okay to be weak. It's okay to be poor. It's okay to not have power. It's I mean, okay it's, to be a woman. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just TBD, TBD. <laughs> Your dirty pussy's America. fine. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Keep uh. it to yourself, though. <laughs> Um, that's you know, a point that Kurt makes Kurt Mesker makes a lot too like there are because he was raised in um, Kurt Mesker Race Wars um, I, you must know that he was raised Jehovah's Witness and that's what he says all the time so he read the Bible front to back a million times like there's no Christians like the, the Christians don't act Christian yeah. almost exclusively mm. yeah I mean well look people Christians are people so they're sinful and they're flawed you know the human religion is it's a human institution mm-hmm. we you know jesus is a good role model if he really is the son of god right but nobody's going to be as perfect as jesus because we're, we're not we're not divine so i think that you know i mean speak for yourself but <laughs> point taken but i think it, you know i think it gives you something to aim for right mm-hmm. how can i be a more loving person be more patient be more kind be more accepting of weakness be less violent mm. That's okay. a dope-ass point. It is. And where do you think we are right now in terms of our violence uh, as, 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 as globally? Kind of like we're in, everyone's talking about what's going to happen with the Trump presidency. You don't have to talk about that specifically. But do you think that things are going to get better or worse? Right. Yeah. What's the we're, trajectory? I think the question is always, you know, will violence get out of hand? You know, will there be an escalation? If somebody hits you, your impulse is, is to hit them back. It's really hard not to. But like, don't. So just we, yesterday, like, we experienced the assassination of the Russian ambassador in Turkey. There was a truck that was driven through a holiday market in Berlin. Right. What happened in Switzerland? Uh, some people were shot at an Islamic center. Mm. But also, by we're a like Christian. I actually don't know. Is it? I don't know who did that. It's but we're in the middle. It seems like there's more and more. And like, granted, like I've only started discovering that facts are a thing. But like, we. It seems like there's all these things that just don't get resolved now. Do you know what I mean? Like, ISIS is just like a festering wound. Like, Israel and Palestine will never kiss and make up. Like, Afghanistan's permanently fucked. Um, well, the, Syria, the, like yeah. Libya, like, all, all. do you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, what's the other place? Iraq. But you're, like, all, you're also <laughs> describing, you're describing all situations in which violence has been seen as a solution. So, I but mean, they're the, also not going away and nobody's coming up with an alternative solution. Well, yeah, violence is never going to work. It, violence will not end violence, right? Even if it seems like non nonviolence in the short term at least could be horrible because the the you know certain, there will be certain victims if you don't fight back you will be a victim. But look at it this way: I'm sure you all have had this experience. If you're in a relationship and you get in a real big fight with the person, if you are both accusing each other constantly, saying "Well, you're bad for these reasons," and they come back and you say "No, you're bad for these reasons," you, it never gets resolved. That never works. It's mm-hmm. never that you keep trading violent accusations to such an extent that that the problem is solved right Mm -hmm. problems are only solved when people can take a step back and find a different way to think and feel and communicate that can sound pollyannish i'm i'm not at all but it is clear when you list all these places where there's horrific violence and we see that it's not getting better Mm -hmm. 
well, then violence is evidently not the solution. There's a lot of good stuff in Christianity. Let me ask you something. So, like, we have all this access to ideas, right? And, like, people are less... Um, people are, like, more... It's global now, right? We have all this, like... Um, the internet has, like, has has made the world smaller in a lot of ways and, like, woven ideas together and given people access in a new way. Do you think... You know, like, people are adopting each other, like, borrowing ideas from each other, right? You know how they say, like, in the in the future, everybody's just going to be some kind of, like, brown color because we'll all mm-hmm. have just intermixed to be... Do you think that in the future there's going to be, like, not distinct religions, but, like, kind of just, like, general, like, assimilated beliefs, like, borrowing from all the religions? Uh, I think it's really hard hard to imagine that. Why? Um, uh, do you think people have an instinct to, like, like in-group and out-group? I think absolutely they do. And I think, as was, you know, Gerard said, that in early cultures, there was scapegoating because that would unite the community. You have to have an other and then punish the other. And, you know, again, if Christianity is right and true and works and people stop doing that, then maybe you're right. And, may, you know, maybe there is will be a Is Christianity the true one? Again. Because Jews are chosen. I mean, I'm sure you must yeah. be aware of that. Absolutely. I'm aware <laughs> we were specially of that. chosen as God's special people and continue to be so to this day. So, like, what gives? <laughs> so, that excuses everything that's <laughs> happening in Palestine. <laughs> I mean, you know, you took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was saying it. I wasn't asking a question, I was affirming. <laughs> um, this is this has been really great. Uh, I really like thinking about Jesus in a positive way, and I don't think enough people spend the time to really consider all of the positive things that the Jesus story can teach us about how to interact. I think it's pretty brave to actually talk about it. The show's called Unhirable. I, I mean, you're not supposed to talk about politics or religion, right? So... <laughs> Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. And, it was really and for fun. talking about was that your justification this? for calling on Harbaugh when we just had the most civilized discussion ever? Well, I <laughs> no think one said that anything that would get this. To be, well, I think that this is threatening to people because you know what? For me, I don't think we have to be like screaming about this, but like talking to my brother, who's going to listen to this, he listens to everything. But you know, talking to him and hearing him say that there is a war and understanding that that is he is saying that in the context of a member of a faith community that I have witnessed with the cocking mm-hmm. of the gun. Is that the word? I don't know guns. Yeah, cocking. Whatever. So, yeah, you cocking cock your gun, gun, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, You're just like, could I just it be like that the word gay? <laughs> um, <laughs> I didn't know gun people were so fast. I'm going to go cock my gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you because are. Because I'm going to probably buy one because I am not radically you nonviolent. I'm trying that. to be. I know, but I feel, I don't know where. I think the world's ending. I actually think the world's ending. You asked like, are we going to live in like a, like a brown society where everybody just brown like, beliefs and yeah, bows brown. To, kneels down at noon together and is okay with it? Like, I, I don't know. Or just doesn't bow down at all. Um, what I will say is that listening to that from my brother, it, it sort of actually, it, it, it didn't make me feel sad, but it didn't make me hopeful that things are going to get less violent. It no, just people don't want to give up their violence. Yeah. People don't want to give it up. Rich people don't want to give give up their money. You know, people don't want to give things up that they like. And look, at, you can't look at... <laughs> People you don't want to give up their currency. Honestly, Violence look, is a kind of currency yeah. because but, everything's a kind. Currency is power, and people won't give it up v- willingly. That's true, and I, I just want to say this: as we are, I want to just go very clearly on the record that as we are transitioning between Obama and Trump, we can't delude ourselves into thinking that we are going to be so much more violent under Trump than we have been under Obama. I've been saying in the first I, year, I, I completely his, agree. Yeah, yeah. In the first year of his presidency, he killed more people with drones. Yeah, people really downplay it. Than George W. Bush killed in eight years with drones. Do you know that? In, yeah. In Barack Obama's first year, 
He killed more people with drones. And now look what's happened. Everything that's happening now is as a result of that. And it's not, Barack Obama didn't invent it. He inherited policy. He just made it worse. Mm. And I think that's maybe what we'll see with, with Trump. But Trump's really not the problem. Like, we're the problem. Right. Trump, Our violence is the we're problem. We're addicted to violence, and we don't see it as violence. We, As you said, we haven't been talking about this. It hasn't been a concern of ours. We act like it's good or it's necessary, or we don't even think about it at all. People yeah. also just straight up don't want to believe it, because people want to believe that Obama was the best president who ever lived. And the truth is, for some things, he was great, and for some things, truly not great. He made things, I think, I do think he made things appreciably better in the United States, as, a, as for me. I, I think feel the like things became appreciably better also not necessarily as a result of him the affordable care act yes but like the economy whatever was going on with the economy was set in motion before he ever got into office he's not responsible maybe for that. the point is is that he was uh, we are a violent people and we have to we have to contend with that when that pastor after 9 11 said that the chickens had come home to roost that pissed everybody off and i understand why because it was raw and people died here innocent people died here but but what we know about people is that more people are not radically nonviolent than are. Well, the reason it's called radical nonviolence because nobody does it. Nobody does it's it. It's so radical that it's radical. <laughs> so maybe on December 25th, if you're Christian or not, take a moment to think about Jesus. Take, take a moment to think about Gerard. It's his birthday. If you're yeah. Jewish, like do it the night before. That's so my favorite thing about Gerard. like a total sellout. He's a Christmas baby. Yeah. Yeah. Is he? Yeah. yeah. You should listen to some interviews with him. He's pretty fucking cool. I'm, I'm visual. I'll read a book. Yeah. Or read his books. Yeah. Yo. Um, this has been awesome. Let's jump in uh, to a little rapid fire to kind of lighten pew, things pew, up. Pew. Yeah. <laughs> Those were violence noises. <laughs> okay. So. Well, wait, can I start with uh, just one thing, please? please? Okay. We always play Mary Fuck Kill, like you must know that by now. Um, here's a really good Mary Fuck Kill, okay? Okay, go. Father, Son, Holy Ghost, go. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's so blasphemous. You'd have, but I, you're not a Christian. I know. So it's okay. I'll do it. I'll do it in the spirit of mimesis. I'm on your show. <laughs> Yay, my, my niece, me. Uh, I would. Uh, <laughs> Gerardian. <laughs> oh my God, I would. I would marry God. I'd uh, fuck Jesus. Fascinating. And I would kill the Holy Spirit. That's. Horrible. I can't believe those words just came out of my mouth. Okay, I'm <laughs> fucking Jesus because he's hot as shit. Oh my God. But like the like, you know, the American like Christian Jesus like on the cross with like a six Hipster pack. Jesus. Yeah, 100%. Hipster Jesus. Yeah. A little skinny, got tattoos. Um, I'm going to marry ah. the Holy Spirit because Please even explain. though I can't fuck him, he'll still be inside me. <laughs> and then I'm going to kill God because he's already dead. That's the Boom. gayest way you could have answered that. <laughs> All right, your turn. Okay, marry Jesus because he was a real man. Um, and yeah, he does look kind of hot. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, I get lonely. Um, I would fuck God. I don't want to kill God off is why I'm saying this. I just feel like that would be kind of like yanking the plan out at the root. Um, so I'll fuck him and like throw him a bone like he's done all this great shit. And then I guess I would kill the Holy Spirit. Do you know why I say that? Because he's already a spirit. It totally wouldn't hurt him. Okay. Ready? I have a fuck, marry, kill too. Okay. Would you <laughs> fuck Max von Sydow playing Jesus in the movie The Greatest Story Ever Told oh from 1965. God. That wow. guy's smoking. Would you fuck Jim Caviezel <laughs> playing Jesus? And That's so hard. A beautiful film called The Passion of the Christ. Maybe you've seen it, Karen? I refuse to it's support it. It's about your ancestors it. murdering the Messiah. <laughs> or would you kill... 
Or or would you fuck Mary Kill? Willem Dafoe is Jesus Christ in the Last Temptation. Ooh, I know what I'm gonna say of Christ. Okay, <laughs> Chris, you wanna uh, go first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, I would marry Willem Dafoe. Interesting. Oh, uh, Jim Caviezel, I'd fuck, and I guess I would kill Max von Sydow. Oh, interesting. What? Yeah. Oh my God, I would fuck <laughs> the first guy. The, yeah, Max von Sydow, hot as shit. Hot as shit. I would marry the second guy. Okay. Because he's hot as shit. Uh, Jim Caviezel. I would kill the last guy because he's ugly as fuck. <laughs> hey. No, but you know what? I'm actually, sorry. He does not do it. Karen, we actually have the exact same answer. I did one time wait on Willem Dafoe when I was he's in very college. He's very sexy. There's something about him. He's like short. How old is he? When I saw him, he was in his 50s. He's got to yeah. be in his 60s yeah. now. Oh, my God. I would fuck Close the guy in the... the guy, he has to look like the guy in the picture. He's that's the that's very the muscly. He's so... I couldn't believe it. He's yeah. like 5'5", five, five, but like <laughs> jacked. Um, yeah. But he also like kind of creeps me out, so I would have to kill him. <laughs> like I couldn't... I don't know. Um, he was in that movie where he played a gay cop. Oh, Boondock Saints. And he really creeped me out. Like he had like a really gross sex scene in it. I'm like scarred from it. <laughs> Um, it's a great movie. Okay. So, uh, do you have another rapid fired? I thought you did. Oh, I, I do. Okay. So because my, my brother is my best friend and he's like an evangelical Christian. I don't know if he would identify as an evangelical Christian, but he married a woman who's an evangelical Christian and they are raising their children in the Baptist church. Um, and he has a really interesting relationship with Jesus and I love talking to him about it. And we obviously have like very different philosophies. But I love this relationship because he and I get to talk about all this stuff. And he's somebody who's very close to me that gives me access to this community. And I think I do the same thing for him with like gay people because there's not a lot at his church. Um, but That he knows of. That he knows of. <laughs> well, I've seen a couple of people there and I'm like, Sean, your boy's gay. <laughs> I hate to tell you. I know he's got a wife and four kids, but Home he's gay. looking at Sean Cody when they go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, sorry, oh, Sean. God bless him. I'm good for him. <laughs> um, okay, but Sean also is like very much like me. Like yesterday, he sent me a picture. This was actually an act of violence that I did not retaliate. Um, he sent me a picture of his four-month-old son with shit from his knees up to his neck. That's goddamn while he was changing violent. His diaper. It was disgusting. <laughs> so Sean, this is this is an insight. Sean sends me regularly rapid fired um, yes. questions. So I'm gonna Sean, read because God this is Sean. a Jesus. I, I, when I think of Jesus, I think of my brother. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a couple of Sean's. Okay. This is the brother <laughs> who sends me pictures of sometimes I can't say that of, of, of his baby pooping and sometimes himself. Um, not pooping, but poop in the toilet. All right, fine. There, I said oh it. Sean, to- <laughs> you motherfucker. He said it to me and my other brother. He's such an asshole. Um, <laughs> okay, so Coke or Diet Coke? That's one. Are you kidding? What yeah. kind of a choice is that? Coke. I know. Obviously Coke. Diet Coke. Coke. Oh, my God. Oh, interesting. Yeah. You I'm, like the super sweet. Uh, I don't like sugar. I'm going to oh, do the Christian thing and be friends with you anyway. Oh, I thought you were talking okay, about cocaine. <laughs> okay. Oh, diet. <laughs> <laughs> diet cocaine. It's laced with laxatives. It's um, laced with fentanyl, my fave. <laughs> okay. And now this is another one. Would you rather poop a little time every t- uh, poop a little every time you fart or pee a little every time you sneeze. Ooh. Oh my God, that's so easy. Much rather pee when oh, you sneeze. That is not my answer. Oh Honestly, my me too, because girls can use like um, <laughs> like panty liners and stuff, and it would just like take care of it. That's totally fine. The poop thing's gonna be an issue. <laughs> um, okay, he sent me another one that I can't find. Sean, you have to resend it to me. It's about something about like, would you rather like go really fast in New York City or something else? Wait, but you whatever. have to answer the poop or pee thing. Oh, I would poop. 
A hundred percent I would poop. What? Because I think that if you know that you're going to fart, you have time to make it to the bathroom Honestly? in order to like take care of that. <laughs> As someone Whereas who has, like, you mag- can't control like when you're going to sneeze. Yo, that's not true. As someone who has like mad gastro problems, I can tell you <laughs> sometimes you do not have a heads up. <laughs> no, I know. I mean, listen, I shit my pants last month. I got an intestinal infection. That's right. And I shit my pants in a cab. I know. I know sometimes you can't control it. But um, this has been great. Thank, Thank you so you. much for coming on. I'm glad we ended on shitting your pants <laughs> on the Jesus episode. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Thank you. It hasn't. It in, starts on it Christmas. It hasn't launched. Really? Yeah, yeah, it's the same day. Hanukkah hasn't dropped. How do I say it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. They haven't released Chris, Hanukkah. do you have anything that you want to promote? Anything coming up? Uh, no, nothing to promote. Are you What's on your Twitter? Twitter? My Twitter is Chris underscore Shin. Is he on Twitter? He's great on Twitter. Oh my God. Yeah, Good you can never know. really break from Twitter. It would really upset me. I'm going to stay on Twitter. That's the one, the only social Good. media I do. Is that, you're really good at it. Honestly, the rest are garbage, not instance is my favorite. And I am glad Rosie followed you, and I'm annoyed she unfollowed me. I hope she listens to this because we're 100% adding her when we talk about this episode in social media. We're tagging her a million times over. And we Rosie, love her. come on and tell us how you can reconcile telling people that you wish they had cancer. Yeah. And then Honestly, also tweet out Mary. Ann Williamson. It'll be really good for your career. Yeah. No. What else are you doing? Yeah. Come on. <laughs> and you can get at us at at unhirable show show on Twitter. We're unhirable underscore podcast on Insty, which we do periodically. Yep. Uh, I am Karen Margolis on Insty and Twitty. And I'm at Tommy O'Malley on Twitter. And you can figure out my Instagram if you want it. It's a really good Insty. I know. It's at Son of Share. I'm not Chaz. <laughs> okay. Thanks for listening. This has been the best. Merry Christmas. Yeah. <laughs>